0: While well, we get into another week as we take a look back at the previous week on the Dort University campus in terms of athletics. And we look ahead to the coming week and, uh, wow, starting to work the calendar down. Uh, I think there's four or five weeks of competitions remaining. We're a man down today. Uh, The fact checker, Bradley Lackman is taking a few days off. And you are left with myself, Mike Biker, and Matt Boss, talking about the athletics on the Dort University campus. And uh, Matt, let's dive right in. We begin with the action from last weekend, and that included baseball and softball and track and field. It was a busy day over at Open Space Park. You spent the better part of the day with track and field. I was kind of running between the three venues, and then I settled in at baseball for the the second game of the doubleheader over there. Let's begin with track and field. Uh, The team's getting outside, able to uh, compete, and it was just good to be outside and get a meet in for both the women and the men on Saturday.
1: Good conditions, Uh, a season debut and the only home meet, so it was good to compete uh, in front of your home fans on a familiar track. Um, Let's start with the men And I guess you got to start off with Peyton Malden. You've heard his name quite a bit. Uh, Peyton uh, won the 800-meter, then he also anchored the winning 4x4. And with that 800-meter time, I should mention he qualified for for, uh, nationals. He was the lone defender this past weekend to qualify. So outstanding. He continues just to be an outstanding uh, athlete for the men's track and field team. On the women's side,
0: we are working through some injuries it seems, and uh, just need some need need a little time, uh, need a few days here and there. But on the women's side, who are some of the highlights there? Uh, who are some of the top uh, competitors on the women's side of things?
1: So on the on the women's side, uh, the lone first place finish went to the women's four x four. Um, that was uh, uh, Emma Baker, Micah Koistra, Emily Heinen, and Anna Herman. Um, And then Emily Heinen had a nice 400. She was uh, second in the 400, turned in the eighth fastest time in program history. And Emma Baker uh, also had a good day in terms of uh, the 100 meter and the 200 meter. She was third in the 200, fourth in the 100. So uh, those sprinters and uh, Annika Holman had a good day in in the long race, the 5K. So a pretty good day for the women as well. Taking a
0: look at the sprints, one other one that jumped out at me, Alexandra Beckman, and uh, we did not hear much about her during the indoor season. Uh, Last season had a
1: a nice year. Uh, Turned in a pretty good time in the 100 meters. Yep, eighth fastest time in program history, 12.5 seconds for her, and she also did well in the 4x1. She anchored that, and that's a pretty good relay for us, and uh, also a 200-meter dash person as well. What's coming up this weekend for the track and field team? Sioux City Relays which is a two-day event. It gets underway on Friday, weather permitting. Right now it's going to be kind of chilly, a little bit windy, but I think it's a go. Most of the meet is on Saturday, uh, and Saturday will be a full go with nice weather and a full squad competing down in Sioux City. Previous experience
0: tells me the Sioux City Relays is very reluctant to cancel that meet. Uh, They will run uh, rain or shine. There are obviously times where they can't run with thunderstorms and things like that moving through the area. But if they can get on the track, they're going to run on Friday and Saturday. Yeah,
1: it's it's a big meet, not just for college and universities, but uh, there's a whole slew of high school and middle school athletes. So it's it's quite a uh, meet, uh, and Sioux City will have it.
0: Baseball and softball played over the weekend. Softball team victorious in game one against Midland, a team that's receiving votes. Uh, 2 0 the win in that one. And Abby Kramer, uh, 16 strikeout performance to get that 2 0 win. And then in the second game of the Twin Bill, I thought Abby Kramer had a great shot at pitcher of the week after game number one. Game number two rolls around, and uh, Midland no hit the defenders. And that was Elia Rincon, and uh, she basically, I felt, took pitcher of the week honors away from Abby Kramer, and uh, she ends up with GPAC pitcher of the week honors.
1: But a good split. Kramer continues to impress. Um, she's pitching really, really well, uh, deserving of a GPAC honor. But uh, like you said, Midland's pitcher a little outdid her a little bit in game two. A good split for the defenders. Midland is a very, very good team. It's strong program. They've been GPAC champion or postseason champion a number of years and a good showing by the softball
0: and they were good uh, boy softball you t- start talking about midland softball you remember keith cramey i do yeah he was the coach and sid at midland for many years consider him a good friend and he had that team in the spring they were always very tough and very challenging and uh, they have continued that over on the baseball diamond um well let's
1: so softball played Briarcliff right. Monday. I was
0: going to say Briar Cliff, uh, they played Briarcliff on Monday. Briarcliff team that came in 5-1, and one, and the defenders get a victory in game number one. What that end up? Uh, one, one nothing. nothing there. And then in game two, I was out there, um, needed a double by Kenzie Kennard in the bottom of the seventh inning after giving up a 2-0 lead. Tied up 2-2, back-to-back doubles. Dort goes home with a split over the Briarcliff Chargers.
1: Yeah, uh, Briarcliff, like you said, first place coming into that doubleheader. Uh, another great performance by Kramer, one nothing. I think the com- teams combined for five hits. Yeah. I was just looking at the recaps so not a lot of offense. A quick game, and then game two, a big hit by Kennard, and you get the sweep. You need a few more. We need a little more offense on uh, both the baseball and
0: softball side of things. Uh, the... the... Just need four, five, six batters to uh, be producing. Got some timely hits on Monday, but that was those were a couple of squeakers that were very, very tight. Now we go to baseball, and those games were only on Saturday. Um, Dort gets a win in game number 1, Junju Kim again, masterful on the mound, 21 strikeouts. The previous week comes back with 14 strikeouts in a 7-game,
1: 7-inning win in game 1 on Saturday. Uh, I would say that his arm was okay and he performed <laughs> really well. Um he, what can you say? Uh, just an outstanding performance and great command, and he made Dakota Wesleyan uh, look foolish a couple of times. A lot of strikeouts for Zheng Zhu, which led to, and spoiler alert, which led to an, uh, another honor for him, GPAC Pitcher of the Week honors. again. Yeah,
0: GPAC Pitcher of the Week honors, and when I went through the list again and I have the opp- you and I have the opportunity after the nominations are made, you can go in and vote. That's always uh, – interesting to see who's been nominated and what their numbers are, and I thought it was a pretty easy vote once again for uh, Kim throwing that two-hitter. Those two hits came in the first inning. One of them was an infield hit, and the other was a double, and after that, uh, he was through no-hit baseball over the final six innings of that one nothing win. Game two, Logan Horn Very good outing for the defenders, and that was a much-needed strong outing for the defenders as he helps Dort to a 4-0 victory over that Dakota Wesleyan team.
1: And I was going to mention probably Kim's biggest competition for that Pitcher of the Week honors could have been Logan Horn if nominated because he was outstanding in Game 2. Like Kim, he had a little bit of trouble early, got through some trouble in the first inning, but after that it was pretty easy for Logan.
0: Yeah, only gave up two hits over seven innings. I, I wondered if he would go a little bit longer than he did. He was at 96 pitches through seven innings. Nick Yeager came in to uh, finish the contest, got his first save of the year. Very effective in that relief performance, four strikeouts in the final two innings.
1: It's good to get Yeager back out there. Uh, I think he pitched, he was a starter uh, the previous weekend, so it's good to get him some, some uh, innings out there. Logan Klein led the offense three for four. He was a big part of that offense. He had a home run in the first inning that got the defenders out, and a good sweep for defenders.
0: Logan Klein and I just ran some of the numbers in case you are curious, and. Uh Logan Klein this season, um, career numbers thus far, has 171 hits. The record is 211, so that's probably yeah outside chance, but maybe you can get to 200 career hits. Cam Gingrich is the uh, record holder there. Uh, Travis Deckers has 42 doubles. Klein has 38. That's doable. He's already got the triple record with 11. The previous record for career was 9. Um, Home runs, Tim DeYoung had 24, uh, Logan's at 13. Total bases, Jake Thayer had 252 in his career, Logan's at 270, so he's got that already. And Doug Van Andel, this was probably one of the older records on the books as well, 1973 to 76, stole 53 bases, Klein has 54. So um, a lot of uh, his name will be littered in the top 10 for career numbers. Uh, and we'll continue to watch that closely. Probably won't be updating that regularly, but we'll talk about it again at the end of the year.
1: And with Logan, Mike, um, is he a four-year starter? And how do, how does COVID play into that? Because he missed a good deal of a COVID season, so if that would have been a full year, would, the, would those records be even closer? Oh, very much so. Yeah, there's no doubt. Because um, he's not in a fifth year, is he? No, he's
0: not. He's okay. in his fourth year, and he's going to be, my understanding is at the conclusion of this year, his baseball career at Door, will be finished and uh, yeah he missed when we shut things that we came back from spring break in 2020 and then we shut things down I think we played two conference games and those were played in Florida actually and then we got shut down so he missed an entire conference year in his sophomore year 25 games right in e- easily a couple dozen games mm-hmm. so yeah that does factor in the old-timers would argue Doug Van Andel only played in 14 games a True. year. And so there is – and that's the challenge of career records. And that's something that we've talked about. What do you do with players that play for a fifth year yep. in terms of their career numbers? Do they get an asterisk? Um, Eric Moss uh, played part. I – mean, I'm dating myself here. He suffered an injury, came back, played a fifth year at Dort. How does that figure in? Right. I mean, all of those things, and I have come to the conclusion that I'm going to put the years they've played in the record book and their numbers, because that is their career, and you can draw your own conclusions from there.
1: I think that's a great way to handle
0: the, it. The, and uh, volleyball, the only – I mean, we're off, off topic here, but volleyball, when I arrived here in 2001, it was a clean break, actually. That was the first year of rally scoring. Previous to that had had always been side-out scoring. So initially there was, okay, do you have two separate record books? Well, I do have an old record book from 2001 that was side-out scoring. That's not publicized anywhere because the sport is completely different. Now, for historical purposes, I still possess it, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't hold any... It doesn't factor into any records currently. Right. So that's that's the one time I will say that we basically made this is that. Now we move on to something completely new. Off topic, um, we talked about Kim, GPAC, Honor, uh, Peyton Malden, uh, we need to talk about him. GPAC honor, we alluded to it, but also a national honor for him.
1: That's right, national honor. It came out yesterday as well. Um, not the first time that he's earned national honor. He, I think he got it during the indoor season, but third fastest time in the Open 8 and a very quick anchor in the 4x4, four four. much-deserved honor for Peyton Malden. And Peyton Malden, uh,
0: again, he'll be running down in Sioux City this coming weekend. And then from there, short turnaround um, at Northwestern, hopefully, weather permitting, midweek next week, right?
1: Wednesday, Thursday, Northwestern, and then USD, and then Drake. Yeah. Well,
0: here we go. Um, Men's and women's golf. Women were scheduled to compete in a two-day event. That got cut down to one at Concordia. The men's team competed in a two-day event. Uh, They got that in and pretty consistent, just – didn't have low enough scores the way it looks on the men's side.
1: Yep. The men, uh, again, I wonder if it's unfamiliar courses, challenging courses a little bit. Plus, it's early and we're not out on the course. We have the golf room, of course. But, yeah, Um Dutch far Freddie Bullock led the defenders. They golfed pretty well on that second day. Freddie with a 74, Dutch a 77. They they both led the defenders, tied for 25th with a 155. They
0: were 18 strokes behind Hastings. That's the only other GPAC team that was in that nine-team field. And you did have some pretty stout competition, I would say. Kirkwood is always good on the community college side of things. William Woods, Missouri Valley, Grandview, Science and Arts of Oklahoma, Park. Those are some teams, one, that are usually pretty good at golf, two, are a little bit further south. And so they probably are a little bit they're in a different spot
1: right now in the spring season than we are. A couple of those teams are ranked and uh, they will travel, uh, a lot of those teams will travel south and they have played more golf than we have out on the actual course. Women's golf, nice outing. Uh Carrie Cruz, uh, strong
0: performance, had an 85, Olivia Olson an 87 and Rachel Bostwick an 88. If you can have if you can have four women's golfers break 90 you're going to be in the hunt for top three and top four finishes. We had three this week. Maybe we can get that fourth one a little bit lower.
1: That's what this group was doing in the fall when they golfed so well and did so well at at the conference. They had uh, three under 90. Um, Another thing I think is the conditions probably weren't ideal, and Mm -hmm. to put these numbers out there uh, led by Kerry Cruz with that 85, it's a great job for the defenders
0: they are going to Hastings both teams are going to Hastings next week for a couple of uh two-day meets they're rapidly heading towards the GPAC championship and I know some of the women uh, ran into Carrie Cruz during the week uh the days following her performance, and she was just excited for the fact that uh, hey, get a good. Uh, we're able to get one day of competition in now, another week to prepare, and then golf next week in a couple of days. And they're going south. Should be a little bit warmer, and hopefully good conditions for both of our teams. So that's men's and women's golf. What do we have this weekend? We talked about track and field, baseball. Supposed to play four against Mount Marty: two on Friday, two on Saturday at Open Space Park. If I were to venture a guess, I don't think they're going to be playing at home on Friday, but
1: they could. Yeah, and the weather, yeah, it's going to be sketchy. And just looking at the conference standings, I'll, I'll be the Bradley of this podcast. Dort sits 6-6. Six and six. Right now they're in fifth place. Uh, in the conference, and they got a couple of teams chasing right behind them, three of them to be exact, Midland, Jamestown, and Northwestern, just a game back at 5-7. and seven. So uh, the defenders right in the thick of it right now for baseball. Baseball, and then if they don't play tomorrow, Friday,
0: in all likelihood they'll circle back and they'll get that one in on Monday. And in all honesty, Monday looks like a lot better day weather-wise. I know it wreaks havoc with pitching, and especially given the fact that we're supposed to play on Thursday, Saturday next week as well. And you take a look, those are on the road. Weather forecast, a little iffy for those as well. So you're, you're getting into the mess that can sometimes be baseball in the northern states. But um, they'll, uh, they're will they right in it. They're 6-6 six and six in the conference. They've got some things to play for. I hope they're able to get these games in in some sort of semblance of scheduled and then can – try to make a push here in the last three weeks.
1: The, the, the nice thing is other teams have to also yeah. uh, reschedule and jockey their schedule and play with their rotation for matchups so the defenders aren't alone in the challenges of weather and baseball and playing spring sports. Talk to Coach Zomer, softball team, they expect a little bit of wind tomorrow
0: down south. They're playing in Hastings and Crete on Friday and Saturday, but they feel pretty good about where they're at in terms of the weather and a big weekend for them uh, if you could get three out of four this weekend that'd be I'd be a
1: big step towards a top eight finish yeah right now Dort sits tied for second they haven't played as many games as some teams but they're sitting four and two Midland is in first place but they also have two losses and a split so Dort again right in the thick of it yeah. for some really good things
0: yep I look forward to seeing how they fare this weekend Men's and women's – pardon me, men's volleyball. Men's volleyball, all conference. Yep, all GPAC honors. Seven players made uh, some sort of – achieved some sort of honor in uh, terms of men's volleyball this week.
1: You got Caleb Kaliza, and you got Andres Guzman on the first team, and also uh, Rob Piekash, uh, the libero for the defenders. Uh, much deserved honors for those three. They were the three leaders at their yeah. respective spots. Brady Frost, Luke Nelson on the
0: second team. I think this is the second year in a row for Luke Nelson. Really steady performer and more of a defensive middle blocker. Um, but he he's produced. Uh, I think it was two kills per contest this season, and then a couple of. Uh, couple of newcomers, Dylan Koyman, newcomer to the regular rotation, makes it. And uh, Lucas Van Groningen, an honorable mention as well. So uh, seven players uh, for Coach Chad Hansen's group making all-conference honors. Normally, this would be where we say to Bradley, did we cover everything? I think we got it, Mike. I I do. I think we do. And it's fitting that we talk about men's volleyball last because we're going to shift over to the women's volleyball for our long-form interview. And I had the opportunity to visit with Jackie Smith. She's been in the last uh, few days. Uh, She was in three days last week, three days this week. Bit of a whirlwind for her. One of the comments was, "I, I got a lot of players that I've got to get to know, and She's got to do that over the next uh, four weeks, basically, before they go and do whatever they do for the summer, and she's got about, I think, 10 or 12 commits that she's got to try and get to know as well over the next while. Now, some of those are local, and she'll have the summer to be able to do some of that, but it's been a bit of a whirlwind for her, and she's uh,
1: she's swimming along. All the while of trying to hold some spring workouts and yep. possibly some spring scrimmages, um, so yeah, it's good to have her on campus, and uh, we're excited to have her. Let's go to that interview now with Jackie Smith.
0: We turn our attention back to women's volleyball, and uh, about 10 days ago or so, we made the announcement, Jackie Smith, as the head women's volleyball coach at Dort, and uh, Jackie has been on campus a few days last week, a few days this week, and uh, Jackie, uh, first of all, welcome uh, welcome to Dort, and uh, glad to have you here on campus uh, how, how have the first couple of weeks gone on the job?
2: So far, so good. Thank you. Um, it's been really busy. Uh, my first couple days on campus last week were basically full with uh, just meetings and, inter- and connecting with players, and that's essentially what this week looks like, too.
0: What? How do you arrive at this point? What's, uh, what's your... You've got some coaching history tell me about that uh, where have you coached previously
2: yeah so my first stop was at a division three school in pennsylvania um, i was the head women's volleyball coach at lancaster bible college um, so i was there for about nine months and uh, after that found my way back to minnesota where i'm from uh, at to Carleton college in northfield minnesota so i had women's volleyball coach there for three and a half years four seasons um one of which was the COVID year, so yeah. we didn't really get to play during that time. But um, yeah, so this is this will be my sixth season as a head coach, so I'm really excited about that.
0: Tell me about why why volleyball coaching. Yeah, you were a, you played two sports in college at Northwestern in the Twin Cities, mm-hmm. correct? Yep. What made you settle on volleyball coaching as a profession that you wanted to pursue? <laughs> well.
2: Um, after I graduated, I was a marketing major. I sort of thought that that was going to my, be my career path, but I really wanted to stay involved with with really both sports. So the two years after I graduated, I was working full-time in a marketing position, but I also uh, was coaching uh, at the high school level. I coached volleyball and basketball, and I really honestly couldn't decide. I loved them both, um, and ultimately how volleyball became my profession was that was the opportunity that came up first. Um, and I'm very glad I, I love basketball, but I think that, um, my brain is a little bit more wired to be a, a collegiate volleyball coach. And at some point in those first two years, I just realized that I was way more passionate about coaching than I ever was about, uh, anything in the business world.
0: What tell me about, being a young volleyball coach and learning as you go. Um, You got the opportunity at Lancaster at, a, I would say, a relatively young age. What did you learn those first few years about college volleyball coaching?
2: Oh, my gosh. Uh, It's a lot more than just X's and O's. Uh, I'm still learning that. I think think, uh, you are sort of a baby coach until you're not. And uh, a part of me still feels like I'm still – there's so much – uh, that I am not seasoned in quite yet. Um, but those first, my first season at Lancaster and my first couple years at Carleton, um, I think it was really all about, uh, developing my own style. Um, I came into head coaching with really the only experiences were what my coaches did in college. So, uh, that's, that's how I ran my programs. And, and I still have quite a bit of that flavor in the way that I coach now, but I've, I learned that, uh, to be successful in this profession, you have to kind of make it your own and and own it. So um, that was that that's been the biggest uh, growth challenge for me over the last couple of years.
0: What are some of the points? What are some of this? What what is your style? I mean, as you as you look at it now, what's your style?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, I think a big part of my style, and probably very different than my volleyball coach in college, is uh, I am I am deeply relational, and I I really love uh building that with my athletes. Uh, I think it's really important uh to have that piece. I wasn't necessarily like super tight with my coach in college and she kept quite a bit more of a distance between us and but something that is a big part of my style now is I, I want to make sure that my players really feel comfortable in the gym with me. Um it shouldn't be a place of tension. It shouldn't be a place where uh they feel like they have to perform for me. Um, but I want them to feel like we're on the same team. So I do, I do try and make the gym a place that is competitive, but also fun and a, and a source of joy. Um, because I really think that volleyball is, is a place where we're both uh, in my role as a coach and then their role as players. It's, it's a place where we're worshiping. And, um, so that's, that's a big piece of me. I'm also, I'm deeply, deeply competitive and, uh, have very high expectations of, of effort and attitude. Um, but th- I think I, I probably flavor that, uh, really depending on the time of this season uh, and, and just trying to get a feel for what the team needs on a certain day. What do you want
0: your teams known for?
2: I want them to be known for, uh, being the hardest working team in the gym, uh, to never, ever be the team that gives up on a ball or, uh, gives up regardless of the score. Um, I think that that's, that's that's what I hope to be a calling card of this program. Um, the other piece is I, I want our team to be uh, just a reflection of Christ in, in terms of uh, between the bench and the court uh, and interactions between players on the court. I want it to look like uh, it's it's a joyful place and that love is just kind of overflowing throughout. So um, I think that the piece of love and that piece of tenacity are the two things that I want us to be known for.
0: It has been a winding road to get to this point for you here was there was it when the opportunity to be head coach became available to you was there much thought process that had to go into it or were you immediately i want that and you felt at ease with it
2: it was pretty immediate um my when i first left here uh for my first after my first interview as the head coach i was I was feeling pretty sure that this is what I wanted to do. And I had to wrestle with the Lord a little bit after I wasn't going to be the head coach right. here. Um, so, uh, it, it almost felt like a full circle moment for me and, uh, there, uh, I, I didn't feel like I needed a moment. I felt peace immediately. And this is, this is where I was supposed to be. And, um, I think agreeing to be here as an assistant, uh, I, I, I already was all in for Dort and, mm-hmm. and ready to make that change. And um, then it, it, it was just kind of the Lord bringing it back sure. to, you know, you just got to trust me in this moment.
0: Yeah. What's on the to-do list uh, for April? As <laughs> as, we get, as the school year winds down, you're getting an opportunity to work with the team. In early May, they go wherever they go for the summer. What's on the to-do list between now and when that happens?
2: Yeah. Uh, I think priority number one is just to get to know each woman on the team. Uh, they There's a lot of them. And uh, for me to be able to coach them effectively, I got to know <laughs> who everybody is, uh, at least on some level. So um, that's, that's big priority. Number one is just individual meetings and um, think another big priority is uh, catching up on the class of 2023 recruiting wise. Um, our class of 2022 is, is pretty much set um, besides tying a, up a couple couple stragglers, but uh, class of 23, I want to I get going on. So connecting with them, getting recruits on campus while we still have athletes here to meet with mm-hmm. them um, is a big priority. And, and then the other piece is just Trying to understand the ins and outs of this program um, and how it operates. Uh, those are all, those are all the big things to to check off
0: this month. Jackie Smith, I don't think I have anything more for you at this point. Thanks for your few minutes, and uh, look forward to working with you.
2: Thanks, Mike.